Hey, you, dare to think. Y'all ready to get funky? Pizza's great, but it's not the gospel. Welcome to the campus of LCMSU, everyone. I am the Chancellor, Pastor Marcus Zill. Warning, the show might trigger you. You don't love the gospel. Hey, who let the campus pastor loose in the studio again? Zilly Zilly. From the University of Minnesota in the Twin Cities, University Lutheran Chapel, your friend and mine, Reverend David Kind. How are you doing today, Dave? Great, Marcus. How are you doing? Doing fantabulous. What a joy it was to be with you for the dedication of your new chapel. What a day, huh? It was a fantastic day. A day that we worked long and hard for and prayed would come, and we're glad you were able to be there with us. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. But first, this summer, it's been quite the summer. You went on sabbatical because who doesn't like get down to the nitty gritty finishing up a building program and then go on a sabbatical trip? (laughs) It's just the way it worked out, though, I think. Yeah, well, it wasn't planned that way, actually. The church was supposed to have been done way back in February. So the sabbatical was supposed to be sort of my my breather afterwards to, to recoup and get ready. But uh, building delays happened, so uh, sabbatical went forward anyway. And uh, I spent three months in Europe studying historical wood carving uh, as it's used in the churches, uh, which included some time actually carving with a fantastic master carver in England, and then the rest of the time visiting churches and castles and things like that to see you know, the remnants of, of medieval wood carving that, that were left. Okay. So it was really educational, but it was also a heck of a lot of fun. Yeah, and you had your family with you, Dana and Andrew? I did. Yeah, my son, who's... Uh, uh, studying at Concordia, uh, St. Paul right now, went with, and uh, my wife. What was yeah. your most memorable experience? Well, I think the best part was actually staying with the woodcarver and his fam- and his wife uh, and really getting to know a sort of British culture from the inside as opposed to as a tourist. And I had full access to his shop, his car, his home. Uh, they were wonderful hosts. Uh, even to, to uh, their church, I sat in on a, sort of a theology pub type of thing that they had and Debated with the Anglican priest's husband and things like that. You drank uh, a lot of beer over there. You drank a lot of beer over there, didn't you? Well, I, I did. I kind of reverted back to college <laughs> students and <laughs> had a few pints. Okay. <laughs> now, are you going to be able to put any of this woodworking? I've seen a lot of the stuff that you've done um, here and there at your home, at the old chapel, the new chapel, at the, at the Luther House. Are you going to put any of uh, this knowledge to work in the years to come here? Well, I'm hoping to. This was one of the one of the chief drivers behind the sabbatical idea, was that uh, arts in the church are just are extremely important and, and underrated right now in the American churches, and uh, we have a with this new chapel, we basically have a blank slate uh, to do some really good ecclesiastical artwork. Uh, so I'm hoping that uh, I'll be able to carve a few pieces for it, and you know, a couple hundred years from now, somebody can come over here and study them. It's, it's a beautiful place. I'm sure many of our listeners have had a chance to uh, see some of the pictures. If not, we'll make sure you can, can find some of them in the archives here. So anyways, you had a great trip and re-entry 
wow, going from that, coming back. It was pretty amazing. I mean, my sabbatical ended on September 1st, and we had our dedication of the new chapel on September 8th. So, oh. uh, yeah, you just dive right back in, basically. Sure. You know, and, and even under the best of circumstances, it's uh, it's tough. You know, I, I've been gone for a couple, three weeks at a time. I haven't been gone for three months, but uh, just kind of getting used to just being back in America again and uh, not using a Euro and, you know, all those types of things. But so last week, incredible, incredible day. Give us a little, th- give us a little thumbnail here. Just a couple of minutes of, uh, this is like a seven year thing. And a lot of our listeners maybe aren't familiar with it. What, what happened that led to this day? How did you go from having an old chapel now having a new chapel? What, what led to the, this uh, special day a week ago? Yeah, it was it was quite a uh, quite a long journey to get where we've where we are now. Uh, we had been at uh, the University of Minnesota as a campus ministry since like 1925, and somewhere around the 50s they built a chapel for us. Um, a dispute arose uh, about eight years ago over uh, whether or not our congregation uh, was was the owner of that chapel or whether our district owned it and the district was wanting to sell it to sort of cash in on the building and, and turn that money toward other ministry type things. Um, uh, long story short, there was a big battle uh, and uh, we weren't able to save that building, but out of that, our district convention voted to give our congregation a good chunk of the money from the sale of the building as seat money so that we could rebuild eventually at the U of M campus. A lot of people thought it could never be done because in Minneapolis, and especially around the University of Minnesota, uh, property prices are just outrageous. Sure. Uh, but the Lord provided us first with a with a former sorority house that we converted into a student center, and uh, then with property right next door to that sorority house upon which to build. Uh, so we purchased those, and uh, seven years later, and a lot of a lot of sweat and, and tears and, and hard work, uh, we have a new chapel. And yeah, lots of honestly, t- lots of twists and turns along the way. Lots of twists and turns, but honestly, uh, you can, in hindsight, and I kind of said this in faith when it happened that the Lord would turn what I considered to be evil to good. Uh, in hindsight, He's done exactly that, and we have a, a much nicer facility now than we did. We're actually, though, we're about a block further away from where we were on campus before. We're actually in a place with higher visibility and higher traffic, and uh, it's he's turned it all to good. And it's kind of ironic that uh, the old property was basically turned into some like seven, eight-story huge monstrosity of an apartment complex, which means there's more students than there would yeah. have more students saturating the area than there would have been if this hadn't happened. Exactly, it, it's really exactly. rather remarkable and. Uh, uh, this has received quite a bit of synodical attention, and of course, uh, um, as I mentioned, your people, a lot of the development of LCMSU and everything in terms of getting it started, it all kind of overlapped at, at roughly the same time, and in, in a way, um, what happened in terms of the situation shined a, a big map on, in kind of an indirect way, on, on why this why campus ministry is so essential. And, yeah, uh, absolutely. And so... Um, no, God has been very, very good, and uh, there's no doubt about it. And so now you uh, um, have this beautiful, you know, the Luther House is beautiful the way it is. And it's, isn't it even like the National Historic Register or something? 
Well, it's on a, a local historic registry oh, local for one. fraternities and sororities, but it's a nice it's a nice place. Okay, but the mere fact that it's a sorority an old sorority house and you have basically have your offices and other meeting space and Bible studies and you have places for other people to live, uh, student caretakers and whatnot as a game room and TV lounge, whatever, as well as now your new your new sanctuary. And, uh, right. you know, I was commenting to people, I, I don't know how there aren't many places where we're literally building from scratch new sanctuaries. I, you know, I don't know for sure, but I think this is probably the first new sanctuary on a campus and decades now we have we've had uh, some retrofitted things or some things that are a little bit more unique um at purdue the university of texas um that that have come down the pike also in terms of you know other situations and every situation's different but uh the bottom line is um man you know it seems like a long seven years but then it kind of doesn't when it's all said and done, you look uh, yeah, easy for me to say. <laughs> easy for me to say I wasn't living and breathing it every day. Uh, yeah, 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 I get it. Anyways, um, well, it was a great turnout the day. Uh, you had a full house. You had a couple of services. Uh, the district president was there. You had uh, John Pless, former campus pastor, 17 years there, preached at one of the two services. A huge That's choir right. made up of alumni and all sorts of all, all sort- a third of the board for national mission. And I'm going to mention their names here. You had, you had Carla Clausen, you had Kristen Sanchez, you had Carol Heckbroom and uh, Steve Briel. I think that that covers it. Uh, Who also served during your sabbatical. Um, He's the head of the board for national mission. And uh, anyways, and of course I was there, uh, hopefully representing all of us in campus ministry. Um, I hope you all have known how much uh, everybody in campus ministry land and LCMSU nation has been keeping you in our thoughts and prayers throughout all this. It was a day of rejoicing for all of us vicariously through all of you. Yeah, absolutely. And thank you for that. So tell us about the day itself. And, and, and what about the text? What were the, what does, I've never been to a, and a lot of our listeners have maybe n- never been to the dedication of a sanctuary, like something that was, you know, we've seen pianos dedicated or new organs or vestments, but here you had the dedication of an entirely new building. And uh, what were the texts that were used and why were they significant? Well, the texts that were used uh, were mainly dealing with uh, Solomon's building the temple in the Old Testament okay. and, uh, and Jesus visiting the home of Zacchaeus, uh, uh, which is, you think might be sort of an odd text, but in reality, these two texts have, have a central theme in common, which is the presence of Christ coming to bless his people. Uh, so in the Old Testament, in the temple, uh, when Solomon builds the temple, of course, the, the glory cloud of God, this is the second person of the Trinity, uh, enters into the temple and fills it as a you know, this visual symbol that this is now the place where you go to find God. Uh, and then in the, in the gospel lesson, uh, you had uh, Jesus entering into the home of Zacchaeus specifically to show that he has come to grant forgiveness to sinners hmm. uh, and, and to enter into their homes. So while we recognize that the, the church building isn't, isn't quite the same thing as the temple in the Old Testament, it is nevertheless the place where we gather together to receive Christ, the presence of Christ and his gifts. Uh, not that that can't happen somewhere else, but, but having a church building is especially conducive to the gathering part of it. And so the people will know 
where they can go to find the gospel of Christ. And it's um, obviously so for sinners because I was there. I know it's for yeah, sinners because right. I was there. But college students are sinners too, right? And we all are. That's the whole point, well, isn't it? Right. <laughs> every one of us needs needs to have the grace of Christ given to us in, in his word and by his sacraments so that so that uh, we can be forgiven. And forgiveness, of course, is, is the gateway to dwelling in the presence of God. So... And and Solomon's Solomon's prayer, and it's absolutely beautiful. But the Lord mm-hmm. had basically told him that when this was built, this place at which at which my name shall be there. I mean, it's as if God was saying, "Hey, I want you to call this thing what it is. My name shall be there." And in reality, right. that's what it really is all about: is God's presence. And in this case, not just in the sanctuary, but here in the heart of Minneapolis, and specifically right up against the belly of the academic beast at the University of Minnesota. Um, this is really about well, God's presence, period. That's right. That's right, because the, the name of God has a whole Old Testament theology behind it, which is directly connected to his presence. Where God places his name, there he promises to be oh, present. Yep. And uh, that's exactly the thought that we had as we were building this chapel, is this is a place for the name of the Lord to dwell among us. And in this you know, very challenging um, environment uh, where people are desperately in need of the truth. And doesn't that underscore a little bit why, and I, I'm so tickled pink and thankful that, uh, <clears throat> you know, given how hard it is to, to get property, how, how expensive it is, that through all of this, um, especially with the kickstart of the district convention um, help, you're able to be roughly in the same location. Why is that location so important? Not only for you to have a place where God's name can dwell, but to have it near where people need to hear it. Well, it's, it's I suppose it's like any time you build build something, you want the location to be the right location so, sure. that, so that you're effective. Uh, for us, uh, the location where we are now is very close to some of the dormitories, but but even closer to Sorority Row. And uh, there's also a few fraternities on that row. Imagine that. They like to be near the girls. Um, Go figure. Right. Uh, but it really is sort of, as you said, the heart of the beast when it comes to to the university environment. Uh, it's, on, it's one of the main drags where students walk to school every day, and it's one of the places where they party every weekend. Um, so to have this very visible symbol of Christ in their midst that's not just a symbol but a, a living thing with a living liturgy going on inside of it and outreach into the community that's a, that's immediate there um, is just to my mind that's vital that's that's what the church needs to be about and and you know all through all this it honors all the people way back in the day most of which are probably not even around anymore many of which right who, one who of the g- cool things about this uh, was we had alumni present at our opening service from every decade from the 50s until now wow all, all of whom recognize the importance of not just of a campus ministry, but of a campus chapel. And oh, we're delighted absolutely. to have it back. Now, the campus chapel, the, to talk just a little bit here about the dedication rite itself, um, you had us walk around to all four corners of the building in the rain, I might add. Although that <laughs> was, was the rain wasn't in the rubrics. <laughs> right, right. What was the symbolism? We walked around to each before we actually went in and to each of the four corners of the building. And there's a prayer, uh, incense and whatnot. What was what were you trying to get across to the community by doing that? And to your well, people? I wanted 
I really wanted the, the first part of this service, which was all outdoors, the first half of it anyway. In the rain. Uh, in the rain. <laughs> to, <laughs> to be somewhat of a spectacle. Uh, not for th- just for theatrical purposes or because we love high church type things, though I tend to do that. Um, but even because in the I want the community, <laughs> even in the rain, even in the rain, baby. <laughs> Incense sorry. keeps you warm. I'm sorry. So. <laughs> um, but I wanted it to be a spectacle so that the community, the students who live there, the sororities that, that are there, would would see that this is a living church come into their presence. And they were serious about what we're doing. So we blessed the building, every corner of the building, mm-hmm. all four. Well, there's more corners than that, but the four major corners right. of the building. Each uh, were, were blessed, which signifies you know, sort of the four corners of the earth and, and uh, it, the gospel going forth from that place to, in all directions around our university. Um, so to see not just me standing out there with some guy swinging incense, but a congregation of you know, 200 some people walking in the rain, chanting psalms, uh, it was, I hope, a, a, a big signal to our community. Well, I, there's, there's uh, no doubt. And it happened to be rush weekend for the sororities and fraternities in the, the neighborhood, the, the couple of block area there. And uh, oh, they noticed. I you were paying attention to what was going on on the right. I was kind of soaking everything else in. But then when we got to the door of the church, mm-hmm. I mean that was very very vivid. The last time that everybody had done something like this, most of these people, many of these people, was at the old building, a couple a block or two away, when the church doors were locked. Right now I've you had, had now, very... you, now you had the opposite. Yeah, I had had the very sad privilege of being the one to close those doors for the last time and to declare a place to no longer be sacred. Um, it was such a joy to stand in front of another pair of doors and have them open and declare it to be sacred, uh, to be set apart to the, to the service of God. Um, and that, too, was, was intended to be uh, just a little theatrical, um, though, having said that, it's not that we just made stuff up. Um, we drew from from ancient sources in the in the history of the church's liturgy, most of which are used around the world still, to uh, to form that part of the rite. Um, so it revolves around Psalm 24, uh, which you know normally we associate with Advent. Lift up your heads, O you gates, and be lifted up, you everlasting doors, and the King of Glory shall come in. Um, well, this was an Advent really for this for this church in that we are, by by dedicating this church and then by having the divine service in it, Christ is entering into the place. Sure. The King of Glory is coming in. So there's this this, uh, this rite that emphasizes that aspect of it. And bas- basically, it was, and I had a chance to watch this, you would say, I think it was three times after a short prayer, uh, right. lift up your heads, O you gates, be lifted up, you everlasting doors. And what were you doing with the processional cross? Tell everybody yeah, each, about this. Each time I knocked on the bottom of the door with the base of the processional cross, uh, which again. So the, the doors are closed, cross. everybody. Nobody's been in there. We, we've been in there. But, it, you know, it's kind of like at the, the Easter vigil in a way. We're going into this place for the first time and you're knocking on right. the doors. So I'd knock on the doors with the base of the processional cross. And of course, it's a crucifix. So you have the visual representation of this is Christ knocking on the door. Uh, plus the pastor who stands in the stead of Christ is the one doing it. Sure. So I took the processional cross from our crucifer, wrapped it against the bottom of the doors, 
and then said, Lift up your heads, O you gates. Be lifted up your everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. And then somebody yelled, Who is this King of glory? Right, <laughs> right, from inside the building. So there's this back and forth going on three times. And, and the reason for that is that the king of it's not just enough for the king of glory to be there, but the king sure. of glory needs to be proclaimed. Sure. Right? There are a lot of false gods on our university campuses and, and in our in all in everywhere in our world. Um, there is one king of glory. And so that king of glory is proclaimed each time that this this uh, dialogue takes place at the door. And each time it builds a little. So the first time uh, it's it's the first part of the of the response verse. It's the Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. And then the congregation, along with me, shouted, open, 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 uh, and the doors opened up. We could then proceed into the building for the divine service. Eh, yeah. It was awesome. What a, just a contrast, though, from seven years earlier when you all left locking the place. Yeah. Well, it's, it's in, in a real sense, it was a desecration of sure, the church. You're making it not uh, sacred space. That's right. You're de, de, yeah, desacredizing or something like that. And in this case, you're <laughs> consecrating it. You're making it sacred space, setting it apart. Right. Setting it apart. That's right. I have to mention here, and I, was, I had the privilege of uh, helping out and participating in the services. Sitting there watching both, both services, watching you and uh, Professor Plus preach, I couldn't help but notice all the sorority girls across the way. <laughs> I was just like, right. the, the windows were such that, and they're having this rush week, and they're putting up all the trimmings and all this to have this big party. And I could see them sitting there, kind of like every once in a while, one of the girls would look at the other one and go, go uh, hey, what, what the heck is going on over there? What's up with these people? And it just right. struck me that, how beautiful that is that here we are doing exactly what we are doing in the midst of those who don't understand, don't get it, but yet need receive the very things that are already taking place there. And that's, that's really the point of everything we do in campus ministry, isn't it? It's to, sure. it's to bring Christ into the places where you wouldn't expect him. Absolutely. Um, Anyways, any yeah. last thoughts that you'd like to share? And then tell us, uh, if you wouldn't mind, uh, where, where can somebody go, maybe see some pictures, whatever, learn about your campus ministry? And I know that there might be a few things that you might like to still fill out the place with, and where can someone go to, to help? Sure. Well, the best place to learn about our campus ministry is our, is our website, which is ulcmn.com. Uh, we work very hard at keeping it up to date. Uh, but if you want to see pictures of the dedication, uh, you should visit our Facebook page. And uh, you'll find 40 or so pictures there from the dedication service. And you'll be able to see it in the church. Is that kind of awesome to uh, worship with your own people uh, the second time around when you're not busy putting on barbecues and, you know, all the other types of things that take place? Oh, yeah, it definitely was. And we had a, we had a great turnout the second Sunday as well. Uh, again, mainly it was our own students and our own members, a lot of them who had been to our church uh, student-wise uh, for the first time at the dedication and came back again, even though that first service was like two and a half hours long. <laughs> so it was, it was really delightful to be there again and to kind of start the rhythm of weekly life in our chapel again that had been somewhat suspended seven years ago. I mean, we still did things in between. Obviously, we had services and we had Bible classes and such. Sure. But it's, it was just different when you're in your, your own space. Well... God be with you, my friend. God's peace be to you and all who enter into that house in the days and years to come. Amen. Thank you.
that's all we have time for here today in the Student Union. Check out the archives of this program at kfuo.org. Learn more about LCMSU at lcmsu.org. And remember, college is tough. You need Jesus, we'll help. <laughs>